Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Indiana Adoptee Network news host Pam Krosky has been an advocate for the adoption community for over 25 years, serving as president of both here, Hoosiers for Equal Access to Records, and IAN, Indiana Adoption Network, a nonprofit organization committed to enhancing the lives of those who have been touched by adoption, focusing on education and empowerment. And now your host, Pam Krosky. Hey guys, it's uh, almost the end of November, and um, if you are listening to this, obviously you know November is National Adoption Awareness Month, and we've all been inundated with tons of information thrown at us. Uh, If you're on Twitter, you see it. If you're on Facebook, you see it. It's kind of hard to avoid um, this day and age of, uh, you know, social media. It's out there everywhere. You know, I just think we need to focus. You know, we need to keep ourselves educated. We need to remember it's about us. You know, I try to, you know, uh, let us all know that during each show that, you know, remember that we're the experts, that we know, you know, the best. We know best for ourselves. All of us are different. So we just need to concentrate on that. Um, Again, it's really overwhelming. So let's, let's try to close out this month and try to pick up what we've, you know, learned during this month. Hopefully you've gotten a chance to listen to some podcasts, not only mine, but there are there are a few others out there that are, are really good and really healing. Um, one is a friend uh, sort of on Twitter. It's Adoptees On. That's a great podcast you can listen to. So um, hopefully you get something from each of these these shows and that gives you some direction and definitely a positive, you know, thought process. And so today, without uh, further ado, um, my guest, we and I, she and I have actually, you know, talked for many years. This is our first time to do a show, so I'm pretty thrilled. Um, and she's got a lot to share with us. So um, I want to introduce Jacenia Arias, and we can talk a little bit about what she does. She is the founder of um, the I Am Adopted movement. She's the creator and host of I Am Adopted TV. She's a Christian, inspiring adoptees to live their best life, and wants you all to know that you have a purpose. So welcome. Hi. Thank you so much. Excuse my voice. It's a bit hoarse today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm just glad that you're able to talk. I would hate for that to to have hampered that a little little stretchy little voice. It's it's easy to get that, especially late at night. But um, I thought maybe you could tell everybody about you know what kind of um, you know what what made you I guess decide to. I know you've done writings. I know you've you know written to all kinds of places. I know you you don't necessarily write for, you know, some places anymore, but what kind of made you want to step out and and start that process to share your story? Um, Well, I originally started sharing my story probably about 10 years ago. Um, 
basically it was just like an online journal, like a typical blogger.com site um, talking about my adoption. It was my own personal space because at that time I didn't know anyone that was adopted. I wasn't connected with anyone in, the, in adoption land. Um, so it's just my way to be able to put my thoughts out instead of having to deal with them in my mind because we all know how detrimental it could be to just keep all your thoughts in your brain without working them out or getting them out um, into the world or, you know, actually being able to visualize what you're going through. Um, <clears throat> so that's where it started. And then what I noticed started happening was that um, – other adoptees started finding my blog and telling me, hey, I'm adopted too. You know, I struggle with some of the same things. Um, I struggle with loss, with adoption trauma, um, with identity, anxiety, a host of different, um, different things that we were able to um, relate with each other. And then um, as a little bit of time went on, I guess as Google starts picking up um, your website um, and some blog articles, I started connecting with adoptive parents who at that point were like, oh, so now I can understand why my adopted child acts this way or is having issues in this area. And they started thanking me for being that person, that voice where they were able to connect why their child was um, struggling with some of the issues that I just mentioned, like identity, um, loss, and behavioral issues. And then with birth parents, um, then when they also started finding my site, um, specifically birth mothers, um, they, <laughs> sadly, the majority of them were like, so upset with themselves for placing their child for adoption because um, they obviously wanted the best for their child when they did when they made that decision, but they had no idea that the outcome could be um, as hard as it is where there is adoption trauma or loss. Um, so I was kind of like um, to a few of them have actually called me like their child, you know, because I was the only inkling that they had to understand or to be able to relate what their child may be going through, and then from right. there. Um, you know, a couple years, uh, well, several years later, um, I launched um, I Am Adopted, and it started with a Facebook page that's growing a lot this past year, um, where, you know, because adoptive parents, the, the issue is that adoptive parents, when they go to these agencies or prospective adoptive parents, they're not told what can happen possibly post-adoption. You know, all, they, all the agencies really care for is to – Adopt the baby out. You know, obviously, they collect the money for the adoption. It's a business, if we were to just right. be 100% honest about it, you know. So they could honestly care less what happens post-adoption. And that's why there's so few resources available for adoptees, because primarily adoption is about, A, the birth mother, and B, the adopted parent, leaving the adoptee out. Right. Um, so that's just what pretty much launched what I'm doing, and I'm just so thankful that God has allowed me to use my voice and my story um, to help everybody in the triad because we all need each other, you know. As many times as we kind of segregate ourselves into our own little groups, in order to improve adoption, we all need each other. You know, we can't always just stay in our own little groups to change the future of it. Right, right. I feel like, you know, I think, I don't know for you, but for me, reunion happened and, you know, I was busy trying to make these connections, and I couldn't really figure out why, you know, things things weren't really connecting. And, I mean, they were, but they just weren't on the level that I really wanted, I guess. And, mm -hmm. you know, not like you. Until I started talking to other adoptees, I went, oh, oh, okay. Like, there were things that I went, 
uh, I get that now, you know, and, you know, that we have no one that looks like us or sounds like us or, you know, and we're just expected to take this identity, you know, from our adoptive parents. And, you know, you kind of just absorb that and you forget, oh, okay, maybe I, I'm allowed to have these feelings. And it's, a, you know, it's really hard to tell yourself that it's okay to, you know, feel that. And that's what I hate yeah. for the for the little peeps, you know, that are out there that, you know, there's adoptive parents that don't know this. I mean, you know, it, it is maybe getting a little better, but there's still a, a chunk of them out there that aren't getting to share, you know. And, and parents, I do think, hinder that. They don't. They don't mm-hmm. want to think there's a problem because then how do they fix it? Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. I, think I mean, that's, it's, yeah. Yeah. In my own personal life, um, I'm very transparent about um, <laughs> both sides of my family, my birth family and my adoptive family. And one thing that I spent a great deal of time struggling with was um, being able to figure out how to have these two families in my life because I think our overall goal most of us is to want to just have one family that's like our desire but somehow we just put one on one side and one on the other which causes us more more problems than anything emotionally um, because it's like we want to please one side or we don't want to hurt the other side and vice versa and um, it puts us adoptees I always say it's like we're like the monkey in the middle and trying to please everyone and be careful with what we say here and I'm always speaking about um being uh, expressive in your thoughts, whether it's uh, verbally through blogging or creative arts, anything like that, because you have to have an outlet to get everything out because, truthfully, it's so difficult when you are so conscious of, you know, not wanting to hurt one of the other family that you will never truly have that healing unless you're able to release those thoughts. And being an adoptee and being concerned of both sides of the family, you'll never have that release if you don't, if you're not able to communicate or to talk about it. And um, adoptive parents, like you said, it's, it's adoption is something that's celebrated, you know, uh, by society and obviously by adoptive parents and things like that. But um, it's also, they, they forget about the loss, so we don't talk about the loss um, as a whole, which is something that, you know, I'm hoping to see in the next five years that it's it's something where we have like uh, PSAs about adoption trauma and adoption loss because adoptive parents, they don't think about what what adoptives could be suffering from. Like we spoke about earlier about um, adoption trauma, suicide, um, the incarceration rate, um, alcohol right. abuse, drug abuse, all these things that are affected um, uh, because of adoption and adoption loss. Um, so it just puts adoptives in a difficult place and, you know, adoptive parents need to be a little bit more aware um, you know, what their adoptee can be facing. So it's so important to open those lines of communication, and that's why I'm so thankful that there are so many adoptees, especially now, that are using their voices, using their platforms, and, and speaking their truth because it's time for us to be heard because when people hear our stories, it's then that we begin to save lives. Right, right. I just think that, you know, we've been – we're afraid. I mean, I think that there are so many of us that think – you know, like you said, the monkey in the middle. I mean, we are literally trying to be the referee, the, you know, make sure everybody gets along, make sure, you know, everything goes right. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it just needs to exist. And sometimes it just is what it is. I mean, you know, we can't 
you know, control anything any more than we think we can. But I think that that's another thing that runs in us as adoptees. We try to have control over the situation. And I know myself, when I don't, when I feel like there's something out of my con- complete control, I'm almost bonkers. Like, I just feel like, oh, no. Because I think we've had nothing, we've had no control. And, you know, not putting blame anywhere, but just saying, you know, listen, we are in the middle of this, and, you know, there are so many things wrong with this and and what's done. And, you know, I understand that, you know, maybe during the time of, you know, adoptions of the, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, they, they didn't inform parents. They didn't educate them. Okay, great, but now we know. Now we know, so let's make the difference. Let's not just keep making these same mistakes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I just think it's it's just it's much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about your story at all. Like, you know, I don't know if you know you want to talk about your reunion and how things went for you, and you know, kind of how how everything kind of fell into place for you. Sure. <laughs> um, I haven't <laughs> really spoken about it, so this would be the first, um, especially like on a public platform. Um, only those that are like close to me know exactly what happened. Um, some people know some tidbits, but um, it has been extremely traumatic for me. Right. Um, and this is why I hold um, adoption, like mental health, so dear to me. I'm so passionate about it because you never know when you're searching, you never know what you're going to find. You never know right. what's going to happen, and that's why I say it's so important. Um, I was just speaking with an adoptee yesterday um, who is dealing with a, a birth mother who does not want contact, and right. she actually located her, and I told her my best advice before anything is to find a therapist um, mm-hmm. that is specific to helping adoptees um, that specializes in that area because you need someone um, to prepare you for it, you need someone to help you through it and after it. <laughs> um, right. And that's all, I those agree. are all things I didn't have. I didn't have when I started all of this. Um, I wasn't really connected to anyone. Um, you were actually like the first person um, that, as I told you before, like I actually connected with and spent a couple of, you know, some time talking to. Um, so when my family found me, actually, that's what made it, it kind of like the tables turned on me because it's different, believe it or not, when you're searching for your family and you find them versus them finding you. Because right. when you're finding them or searching for them, it's like the ball is in your court and you have the power. But then when they find you, you know, it's like, oh, crap. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. You, you know, it, it, it catches you off guard and you don't know what to do. So my initial website, um, well, my my blog I had, the header said, searching for um, who I thought was my adopted mom's name. Um, she changed her name, so that's why I struggled with even finding her. Um, but I had so, at that time, I had like a few popular um, adoption blog articles. So it's like anytime you search anything about adoption, it came up. So once they found me um, by doing like a Google search on adoption, I looked just like my adoptive mom. That's the crazy, I mean, my birth mom. That's the crazy thing because I'm one of seven children and I look identical to her. Wow. Um, so it's like wow. once they found that, and I had YouTube videos, our voices are the same, we look the same. They were like, that's her. 
So they just started um, messaging me everywhere on every platform. You know, I was so overwhelmed. They're like, we believe you to be our sister or cousin or niece. And, you know, they're a huge family. So there was, when I say there were so many people coming at me, I was losing my mind. Um, Right. But, yeah, they caught caught me off guard. Like, I couldn't speak to anybody for literally months. It was probably, like, three or four months. And I ended up only reaching out to one of them after, like, researching them, uh, you know, where her background was. She had, like, a background in mental health. So I knew, if anything, she should understand something. And I told her, you know, please call everybody off. Like, call the dogs off. Not calling the dogs. But, you know, like, I I couldn't deal with everybody trying to contact me. And um, at that place, I wasn't even – I was dealing with so much personally that I wasn't even ready to reunite with anyone or anything like that. And then – uh, it took me about a year. Oh, they started sending me a whole bunch of photos of my siblings, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, because the crazy thing about it was that if you were to go back in my blogs, like, way early when I first started, I used to have dreams about my birth family, like, where they were and things like that, and it's exactly where they were. And that's what I was like. I don't know if wow. it's God. I don't know if this was fate. Like, And I was actually, as I'm rebuilding my, my blog, um, all those uh those old posts and I'm like my gosh like it's crazy how I had these dreams about where they were in literally all different places and this is exactly where they all were without any knowledge of where they were um so uh what made it so traumatic for me was that um my family uh well (laughs) let me back up a little bit we speak so much about in the adoption community about wondering was adoption really necessary or was it for me, or did it really give me a better life? And defining what is a better life, you know? And never, right. I never knew the circumstances, you know, it was all hearsay about what happened, you know, with my birth mom and things like that. Um, but once they started contacting me, um, I spent a year of trying to figure things out before I even responded or even wanting to um, extend meeting to meeting any of them. And what happened was that um, a year later, was that was in 2011 um i think it was 2011 when they first contacted me early 2012 um i saw that my uh brothers were a part of um oh it breaks my heart to say it um having to do with a really big drug um sweep up uh and they were just heavily invested in the drugs community right. drug dealing and um they was all over the news in America it was in the news I'm in Puerto Rico and I just my heart sank because all I could think of was that these people this is my family like you know my heart broke for them to think that this is how their life turned out even though I was right. the only one that was adopted and then um so when I saw that that happened to them um it was two of them that was um they got picked up on this um, huge drug sweep, and um, and then I had another brother that was uh, basically on the run, and um, <sighs> it's so hard. It's a lot. It's a lot um, to process. I mean, it's it, you know, and we think is. we're gonna, we really think we're gonna find. Well, we hope we're gonna find. You know, these people that that missed us. This, you know, they're famous. You know. <laughs> That it's going to be this wonderful, you know, just easiness. And that is absolutely not what it is. 
It isn't. No, and people think that the search is hard. No, it's not. Ooh. I mean, yes, it is, yeah. but it's just the beginning of it. That's just the start. And yeah, I hate that for that. you. We I hate that, that for yeah, it is. It is because that's all we're left with. We don't have any. We don't have a, another choice. We only have fantasy. Yeah. No one's told us. No one's given us anything, you know, to go on. And sometimes for good reason, right? I mean, I I do hate though always when people say, well, maybe it's better that you don't know. Maybe maybe there's a good mm-hmm. reason that you haven't found. You know what? There is never a good enough reason that you could tell Absolutely. me. Having known or found. Now, does that mean that we want to partake in, in the way maybe some of their lives have turned out? No. But it's it's about closure for us. And I think mm-hmm. we get that I think outsiders get that confused. And mm-hmm. you know, it's it's different for us. So Yeah, that's so true. Oh, yeah. I mean so true. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want you to have to talk about, you know, I don't want you to have to go too deep and, you know, get too personal. I oh, mean, no. you can, you know. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I'll just, I, I wanted to touch on to, oh, what you said, um, but just to kind of wrap it up, because it is too detailed for me um, right now. And maybe, maybe in the future I'll write a book with a tell-all or whatever, but um, it went on to when I met my birth family, um, like I said, uh, one of my one of the siblings that I said was got was picked up um, on this drug sweep. He ended up getting out, and then he was in a traumatic accident of some sort. I don't know how it happened. I think it was gang related of some sort. But he was in a coma, and they told I got a message saying, you know, I know you're not comfortable with meeting right now, but he may not live. So, I in my head I was like, I don't want him to die. I don't want that to have you know, to be a part of me because I hear so often adoptees have to meet their birth families at the grave. And that's like a whole nother layer of trauma um, and loss. And so I went there and that's when I met my birth mom. Um, And so I never got the closure because I was so concerned with my brother. Um, Glory to God, he made it. It was a miracle. He survived. And then four months later, my other brother um, that I've always known about um, was murdered. And that just took me to a whole nother place where I just, this is when I stopped blogging, I stopped in touch with anybody in the adoption world because that degree, you know, spending your entire life searching for someone and then, you know, finding them, you know, obviously I I was never able to make it to um, his funeral for security purposes and um, to, you know, it's just, like I said, it's complicated. (laughs) Um, Right. But ultimately, um, I never got the closure that I needed, you know, and a lot of times we think we're going to get the closure that we need um, beating our birth family. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how much they're willing to talk about. But in the end, as you just mentioned, like, you know, it's adoptive parents have this idea where they're like, oh, you know, it, it may be too much for my child right now or my teenager or I'll never tell them what really happened to them or I'll tell them when they get older or when they graduate from high school or graduate from college because we don't want to interfere with their life. I wish I was told everything way earlier because then I probably would have had more time, you know, to either impact their life, help change their life, or to even process everything. Like it's never not okay to tell um for adoptive parents to never tell their child their true story, what really happened, or to continue to wait. Because right, a lot of times, right. you know, 
families are dying, they're passed away, whether it's cancer, car accidents, illnesses, whatever it may be, you know, time is literally ticking, and I tell it to people all the time, like, it's always better to know than to not know, because you'll never know, and therefore you'll never have the chance to have any closure or to have the healing that you ultimately desire to have. Right. Yeah, I just, I, and how many people, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like I run into people all the time, you know, that it's too late. I mean, I literally just talked to an adoptee uh, last night. We had a long conversation, um, not knowing, you know, here in Indiana, there's a mutual consent registry that exists right now, and we all know those don't work. But her birth mom had registered in 1994. She just registered just a few months ago. And had I not put a post up that she just happened to see in another Indiana room, she was only partially registered, so when she did it fully, she finds out her mom died less than a year ago. Mm. And that's devastating for me because I, I literally, I mean, I almost like, I want to cry for them. And, you know, in my conversation, yeah. I try to really stay strong, but it is, it it hits you. I mean, it, it's it's a lot to take in. And, you know, I don't. I don't want our peeps to have to experience this. You know, you know, even when rejection there's some type of closure, but to to find a grave, that's so hard. That's just, you know, there's no words for no it. No one deserves it. No, no one deserves that at all. And and that's why it's so important for us to have um open adoption records and to have these to have both parties birth uh birth mothers and adoptees to register. Um, at these registries and then to also make sure that they're updating their information and then most importantly for adoptive parents to put their feelings aside, put their thoughts or beliefs, whatever they heard aside and actually listen to what the majority of us adopted just saying and that's that we want to know who our birth families are. We want to have the address, the in, whatever information you have or and even your active support, you know. Right. In this. Right. Because it's I mean, hard. And- yeah, it is. And I feel like for so long we we've just constantly been silenced because there's another side we get to this that, you know, um aren't we grateful? Aren't we grateful for what we have? Aren't we thankful for what we have? Aren't we aren't we glad that we were not aborted? Aren't we gla- I mean, I I really just want to look at people sometimes and go, "Really? Like that is really what's what's going through your mind is we should be grateful that we were not aborted. I mean, of course. I mean, I, you know, yeah, I guess we, yeah, of course we are. I mean, and I always, I mean, I can't even tell you how many people came to me and said, well, you'll still love your adoptive parents, right? And I, so I got to the place where somewhere in the middle of this, the like sassiness came out and I said, oh no, actually, nope. Mm-mm. I can only love one person at a time. So nope. Then we'll come. Yeah. And they'd look like, um, are you kidding? And I'm, I'd be like, seriously? And then they'd be like, oh, oh, you're joking. And I'm like, yes, of course I'm joking. You know, people, we can have a million people in our lives that we can love, you know, and it it cracks me up. I just think, you know, you almost have to laugh because if you don't, you will cry or you will be very mad. And oh, sometimes yeah. we are. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, so it's true. Yeah. I, it's like we have like a million, especially those girls, like we have all these besties. We have so much love to give. Why do people think that we can't love our adopted parents and our birth parents just the same? 
Like I'm always yeah. perplexed by that. Like, or or what what about all the time and and uh, all the time that your adoptive parents spent, you know, raising you and the money they spent to to adopt you and they chose you and it's always about the adoptive parents and that's why I get so confused. I'm like, hello, it's me. Like I'm the one having to deal with this. Like we we lose complete thought or society loses complete thought about the adoptee. It always comes back on what about the adoptive parent? They did this, they sacrificed and it's just really right. mind blowing. But it just goes to show me how far we are right now right, to make right. things better. Yeah. I love this do you, yeah, when they say, do you know what your parents have sacrificed or, you know, listen, you know, whatever our parents went through to adopt us, you know, you know, I, I get that, you know, I don't know if you've, I don't you may, maybe you saw this, maybe you didn't. At some point I put a post up, my, my adopted mom had brought paperwork over and I didn't even know she left it here. And um, I found the case and I started looking through it. And in it were documents from the agency. And in it, it actually said that I could be returned. Um, but I guess I think that, that no monies would be returned. So, you know, I, I, if I was found to be unsatisfactory, I could be returned. Wow. 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 Really? Like, you know, I mean, did they really need to put that in there? Is that... I mean, really, did they take the babies back? Did, you know, I can't imagine. And you already know that that's, that's in our minds. And we always think we can go back. But then when you read that paperwork, yeah. and, I mean, I was literally shocked. It it sounded like you were purchasing an animal. And mm-hmm. um, I just, I couldn't make sense of it. I mean, for the longest time, I just thought, you know, like, did you really read this stuff? Like, did you, under, I, you know, I think, though, they probably wanted a baby. They wanted a baby, yeah. and if it said they had to go to Mars and back, they probably would have said, okay, you know, I mean, we'll do it. But, mm-hmm. and no one can fault them for wanting, I guess, a baby, but at the same time, I can, because we cost money, you know, we're for we're for sale. And yeah. I think that, that's so damaging in our heads. I mean, you know, we, we are a commodity, and it, it, I, I hate that it comes down to that, but it's the truth. And I don't even know how we even, I know how we begin to fix it. You know, we educate, but that's way easier said than done. But <laughs> I, so love that, I love that we have plenty of, of sassy voices out there that literally, I don't care what side, where you're at, there, there's plenty of voices to listen to and and <laughs> we'll we'll get it out there eventually. I don't doubt that. So... Definitely. What do you feel like? Yeah, one thing do you, I, go ahead. What? Oh, one thing I wanted to point out, because I love that you said, um, well, I don't love the word, but um, <laughs> we are commodities. We are all, right. especially um, in other countries outside of America, um, because I do a lot of work in um, Asia, and we children are viewed as commodities. Um, I remember... I don't know exactly how true this is, but this is, um, I heard this from an adoptee that was in the military um, that is uh, very active in adoptee rights. Um, he was telling me that way back in the time of war and Korean, the Korean War, that they, um, urine, for whatever reason, I can't remember, was used um, as a commodity, it was a resource that was sold for whatever reason. Um, and then after that, 
they started seeing that there was value in children. And so that's why um, children have a price tag because countries, especially that are suffering, their economy is suffering, they're like, hey, well, we've got these babies, you know, and they're valuable. People want babies. We could just, you know, pump money in our economy by raising the prices of um, adoption, you know. Say adoption right. starts at 10. Today there are upwards forty, fifty thousand $50,000 depending on what, you know, if adoptive parents want to get um, picky, you know, they could jack the price up at any level. And my message to adoptive parents is if you really want to, um, I don't know how likely this could happen, but in my dreams, you know, I really want to tell adoptive parents, hey, do you really want to help with this? You want to help not making adoption be a business and really be about children, you know, finding homes for children? Then for a long period of time, it's like we need to ban, you know, adoptions or, or, or ban or boycott the cost of adoptions. Because what happens right. is if we stop giving these countries money, these governments and economies money, you know, then the price will go down. And it won't, it won't so much be about money. It would be the focus on the children as humans as it should be and not commodities as we just expressed it was. It right. Is. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I just don't I think see it I, happening because people want babies. No. <laughs> so. Yeah, I know. I, well, and, you know, the other side of this is, too, which – you know, somebody had said, you know, they were describing, you know, my podcast, it's, you know, definitely like adoptee rights and things like that. Well, you know, it, this show is definitely more than that, but I guess I do always want to go back to adoptee rights. And in the middle of this here in Indiana, uh, you know, one, one of our biggest people to take on was an adoption attorney. And mm. not only did he put a stop to it, he cost us so much time and money, and his sister is a, a confidential intermediary. So he was making money on adoptions and then turning around making money on the adoptee. Mm. And even if he did their adoption, the adoptee had to go to the adoptive parents and get the okay before they would do the 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 actual search. Okay, we wow. are adults. We yeah. do not need that. Yeah. And, you know, at one point he actually said, you know, I don't have a dog in this fight. And I was like, oh, buddy, but you do. You know, and, I mean, you just look at him and you go, seriously? I mean, I, I don't even know, you know, where you go with that. And mm-hmm. I think his adoptions are like $40,000. And he does a majority of closed adoptions still to this day. Mm-hmm. And it's insane that we, you know, that that happens. I just, I don't even yeah, know where, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where we know go where with that. I don't know how we can get through to these <laughs> these people. I mean, I just, like you said, it has to be the pocket, the pockets, the purses, the, the pocket. wallets, whatever. That needs to be stopped, and that's what will do it. That's where it all revolves, you know. Absolutely. Um, and adoption fundraising. I am... If anybody's listening to this, if you know anything about me, I despise the thought of fundraising adoption because Mm -hmm. of the fact that two things. Number one, they know, these governments, they know, especially in other countries and even the United States, they know that you guys are willing to do anything to get the money to adopt this child. Therefore, that's why this continues to go on. That's why adoption corruption keeps going on and and birth mothers are losing their children via coercion or, you know, because they need that baby. They need that money. And I want adoptive parents to know that agencies, 
the majority of them, I'm willing to bet about 90% of agencies, they're not for you and your child, your prospective child. They're about their money and their pockets. They could care less what happens to you afterwards. There are a few that care, but the majority of them absolutely do not care what happens. And that's why, you know, this is where I step in because I have to fill in the gap. And that's what other adoptees as well that are working advocacy, we have to fill in the gap for where adopted adoption agencies and adoptive attorneys, you know, either don't care or have dropped the ball because there's no services to help adoptees or adoptive parents post-adoption that are good right. and effective. Right. That post-adoption resource is essential. I mean, that is that's something that, you know, we hope, you know, Indiana Adoptee Network, you know, we're really focusing on that and we're we're trying very hard to not just have passed a a law here that we really reach out to social workers, you know, um the foster care, whatever, that we are reaching out to everybody in this at least, you know, within our speaking distance that we can get to, um, that, you know, this this needs this it needs to be, you know, changed, and we need to figure something out. And if we can't reach out and and change with these people, you know, I don't know where we'll be. But, you know, that that's what we need to reach out to everybody. I mean, this isn't, you know, adoptive parents, you know, people who are the attorneys, the agencies. You know, I I've seen a, a small shift here, which when I we started legislation, a lot of these agencies had no idea. And it really proves that one person really can make a difference because really there, this was not a huge team that made this difference here. It was a small team. And mm-hmm. even agencies were um, affected by one person helping us. So, you know, if anyone who's listening, you know, and you know yourself, one person can make a difference. Can yeah. We can really talk about this and make, you know, huge strides. Definitely. And that's why I'm so thankful for um, the Flip the Script movement um, and the the amount of adoptees that are showing up for uh, National right. Adoption Month and every other month on the calendar, especially right. this year. Like, I just want to have a huge celebration party um, for the adoptees because it takes so much out of us. Um, right. Because all of us are in different places, um, whether it's in our healing or search and reunion process where we are personally drained and, you know, emotionally trying to work out our own things. But we're still finding the time because we know how important it is to speak about adoption advocacy and adoptee advocacy and things like that. Um, and I've just seen so many people show up during this month that I'm just so proud of every single adoptee that was able to kind of put – their emotions or thoughts aside to help the next generation of adoptees or to help those that are going through it, whether it's to educate or to heal. I'm just, I'm so proud. I agree. I agree. And and like you, I really do think, I mean, it has been full on. I I think each year it just gets more and more. And I'm so thrilled at that, that, you know, we're not taking no for an answer that we're saying, you know, listen, we have a voice. And, you know, I think this month I've done, I think four podcasts. I usually do one a month. And, you know, this awesome. month it's 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 exhausting to do, but there's just I didn't feel like I had a choice that, you know, yeah. we need to use our voice and we need to reach out and we need to do this. And, you know, I don't know how far this show makes it. I don't even know who listens really. And 
I hope that, you know, our peeps are listening to us and, you know, we inspire them to, you know, share their story, you know, be able to talk about it. And I think the hardest part is just to say, you know, listen, it's okay to stand, you know, firm. Sometimes it's in that uncomfortable almost area, but it's okay because it it doesn't have to be uncomfortable for us. You know, if it's uncomfortable for other people, you know what, okay, too bad, you know, too bad. Because this is about us. And I don't know if you've ever seen during this month, you know, a lot of a lot of cities and a lot of the foster care, they'll do posters, you know, and they'll have the child. Mm-hmm. They'll have, you know, how old they are, what they like. And I walked into a, um, I was a speaking engagement I was doing in August. And they had these posters up. And I... I just, I I mean, it's honestly hard to even say the words. I stood there just, like, weeping. And, you know, I'm thinking, where are these parents? Where, like, why are these kids on these posters? And, you know, in in these people's minds, they they are doing their best to, you know, get these children out of foster care. But all I can do is just stand there and go, oh, like, it is, it's too much. Like, I finally thought, okay. I've got to walk away because it was just, you know, it was really just gut-wrenching to see that, you know, and to know these kids don't have homes. Let me ask you this. What are your thoughts on, um, (laughs) because I'm always back and forth with this, and I have extremely mixed feelings on this, um, but I was contacted before um, from a big foster care agency about um, the posters, you know, whether – because we see on social media, especially in our adoptive community, how they don't want these children's children's posters to be promoted because, you know, these children don't have a voice. So why should right. they taking, you know, sharing their stories? Um, but if we don't get the right. word out, how will these children find homes? So what well, are your thoughts a, on that? Yeah, I think that's exactly what I was experiencing because you know – I mean, some of these children had severe medical disabilities. I mean, you know, they needed someone. And there's that thought process for me because, again, we're how are we supposed to feel? Like, you know, are we, are we supposed to be glad that they're trying or, you know, are we supposed to be insulted that they've got them on posters, you know, but we want them to have homes? I mean, this is where adoption is necessary, obviously, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I do, I do see it as necessary because we these children deserve a home, and I cannot stand that forever home stuff. That really, I think, okay, Absolutely. we all home hope it's a forever home. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know I don't know how it can be worded differently. And of course, it's really easy for me to pick apart because I'm not I'm not a little child in foster care. Although all of us were in foster care at some point before we're officially adopted, mm-hmm. that's kind of the status we have. So some of us stay in it longer than others, and I don't know. I really don't know where to stand on it. I, I, I want these children to have homes, though. I don't want them to be in, you know, foster care the rest of their lives. You know, mm-hmm. I want them to have, you know, connection and, and parents, and then, you know, there's the flip side standing there, and it's like selling them, you know. I, I don't know where to yeah. really stand in it. Um I, I feel kind of on the fence, I guess. You know, it's it's never 
I don't think there's an answer for everything. You know what I mean? There's just not one one way to feel about it. It's it's tough, but I I think they deserve homes. I mean, they deserve people Absolutely. to love them, and you know, I think we all deserve that. So, you know, it's kind of I don't know. Again, some of us are are sold at a, at a cost, and then some of us are in foster care, and then you know, there's there's no cost, um, but we suffer the same trauma all the way through. And I think that's the other thing that no one really thinks that we have trauma since we were in. They think, you know, if it happened and we have no real memory of it, then how could it be? I think that happens all yeah. the time. There, there's no, there's no validation to it. There's no validation to the trauma from the outside, you know, sources. They, um, they don't think it exists. Do you? Do you think, has anyone ever given you, like, a piece of advice that kind of stands out or an adoptee that said one thing that, you know, you remember or that you kind of carry with you or something you've even thought of yourself that kind of is your, a little bit of your anchor, you know? Um, Well, the way I have to, because I have, I am someone who has endured an incredible amount of loss and trauma, um, and it was never um, maliciously done. You know, my adoptive mom never did anything. Um, there's a lot of things she could have done better. I know she loves me, and I'm incredibly thankful for her adopting me, um, especially now that I know my story and my history. Um, but for me, my anchor to carry on, number one, is Jesus Christ, and two, is knowing that I have a purpose and a destiny. That's just something that... I hold on to to everyone, um, sharing with everyone, because no matter your beginnings, no matter what happened to you, um, I always try to choose joy. Am I hurting? Absolutely. Did it hurt what happened to me? Absolutely. But you know what? I can't change the past. You know, whether I'm in reunion or not, you know, it doesn't make a difference because I get some adoptees that are like, well, at least you found your family. At least you had, yeah, I found my family, but I also found a lot of things that I wish to God I've never seen or had to experience. You know, right. but it's just choosing joy, choosing, you know, to help others. And that's why I'm just so involved in in all sides of the triad because this is my therapy, too. You know, I will always be in some form of therapy for the rest of sure. my life. You know, I don't think this pain doesn't ever just go away. You just learn to work through it, you know, and to see it from a different light. And mine is, you know, giving back. And that's why in this next coming year, I want to work with adoptees um, to help them focus on creative outlets on how they could tell their story because there's so much power in sharing your story and being able to move forward. Right. I agree. I, I told because anger, anger and resentment can overtake this and it's okay to have a little bit of that because sometimes I think that that touch of it sort of drives us that, but I think we also, you know, kind of have to heal some of that and, Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say move forward as in the way that we have to forget it because we, we're never going to forget. Yeah. It's never going to, like you said, it's always going to be there. We're always going to be, you know, evolving out of, you know, some of that trauma. But I, I hope that we always are moving a step, you know, upwards because, listen, I mean, suicide for us is is what are they, uh, the statistics are like four times greater. I, I would four imagine times, it's yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, that seems like a low number to me because I feel like I've I've heard it a lot, and I feel like it happens a lot because 
you know, we're afraid to talk about it. And But I do think if we can, if we can keep this dialogue open, it does help us. Mm-hmm. You know, telling your story does help. Absolutely. It, it, and I just want yeah, to Yeah, it gives say, you that momentum to move forward, you know. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to any conferences or, you know, like, I don't know, you know, kind of, you know, what your journey has been. But for me, that's what I think sort of did it for me because I was in the in, around a mass amount of people. You know, I knew other people were like me, but I didn't know that these little things, you know, oh, maybe – you know, attention deficit, reactive attachment, you know, the trauma, whatever, you know, um, going to a friend's house and staying all night and being instantly wanting to go home, you know, not mm-hmm. wanting to stay. Um, you know, if the bus was late, I cried. I mean, there were so many things that I thought, what is wrong? You know, there was <laughs> were no, what, like, why is this happening? Because you're, you know, it's, it's, you don't see your friends doing it. And you're like, what yeah. is wrong with me? But it, it's the trauma we've suffered. It's the trauma, yeah. It's mm-hmm. the trauma. It I is. Just, I, I wrote this long Facebook rant the other day on my Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash I am adopted about suicide because it was literally a year, I mean, it was literally a month to that date on Thanksgiving that we lost another adopted to suicide. And so it was on Thanksgiving Day, on October 24th, and then I think it was three weeks before that we had another another adoptee suicide. And I still sit here in awe of how we do not, well, not we, adoptive parents, adoptive agencies are not being more proactive about this. Why are we not talking about this? Why are we not believing this? Why am I arguing with you in my comments or whether it's right. in my blogs or other um, places I write about adoption trauma? Why? Right. I'm, you know, my my whole website is uh, the basis of where adoptees are the experts on adoption. We live through this, so why aren't you telling me that you know my feelings are valid? I know what it feels like. You just everything you just outlined. So many of us deal with the same thing, and right. so you know when I, I tell you this, the correct response from adoptive parents or adoption professionals should be like. I hear what you're saying. I'm listening. I understand. I'm sorry that you've been to that. How can I improve this? How can I help my child, you know, get to know, dig deeper, but not, don't tell me, oh, you're just complaining. You're, you're being bitter. You're being angry. You're just ungrateful. Like when I start mm-hmm. hearing that, yeah. my heart breaks. It, it personally, it breaks, you know, and I still got to ask God for the strength. Help me, Lord, keep typing and, and, and working through this, you know, and I'm not the only one. There's so many of us, you know, in advocacy, you know, we're we're constantly getting beat down by adoptive parents, some adoptive parents and adoption professionals, and not even being heard when we're clearly telling you, hey, I'm at the ledge of this bridge that I'm going to jump off because, you know, X, Y, and Z, and they're still going to be like, you're bitter, just jump. Like, that's how it gets sometimes because people say anything behind their computer. Sure. They're, they're basically yeah. telling you in a nice way. Just jump and kill yourself. <laughs> that breaks my heart right. because I've struggled with suicide for a very long time. Right. Yeah, I don't think we have to do they that. Under- they don't. They don't understand yet. You know, if this were, you know, any other type of, you know, if it was a disease or if it was, you know, whatever, people would, you know, maybe they would view it differently, but they don't, and it's disheartening. And again, we're the experts, and so. You know, again, if anybody's listening, you know, 
understand that you do have a voice and, you know, you get to use it. And hopefully you use it for, you know, for good. Because, you know, we can go out there and be and be vicious. We can be angry. It's not people then shut down. So, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, we have to be the voice of reason. And I, I hate sometimes that we're not allowed to, I mean, we can be however we'd like. But, you know, when when you do any kind of, you know, legislative action or you do anything, you know, advocacy-wise, you can just watch faces of people when you talk about trauma. That it's like it's like almost like they're robots, and the button goes, Whoop, and they just shut down. And you're like, wait a minute, I you have just stopped listening to me, <laughs> and I mm-hmm. I'm yeah to tell you that that's not you, you don't have it right that you're not listening and you're not reading and you're not you know let's change this you know I I I don't understand it's so true. but yeah yeah well you know. Um, I can't believe almost a whole hour has gone by. So we have just like zipped yeah, right through I this. Yeah, I think we can talk forever. <laughs> no, no. Well, and I, I think it's, it's, it's wonderful that you're out there and that, you know, I know it has been tough for you. It's, you know, it's, it's not easy at all. And, you know, I, I really hope that, you know, anybody who's listening, you know, feels like they, they have a safe place to go and. I don't know if you want to tell people, you know, what's the best, you know, way to get a hold of you and they'd like to reach out to you and kind of what's maybe what's coming up for you in the in the future. Okay. Well, um, I have a new website. Um, most of you guys know me from the not-so-secret-life-of-an-adoptee.com. That was my blog site. Um, during this month, I wasn't as active as I normally am because I was working on the content and the different workshops and programs. Um so the new website is now IamAdopted.net. Um, my Facebook group that is a very highly active group is um, Facebook.com forward slash IamAdopted. My Twitter handle is also IamAdopted, and my Instagram is IamAdopted. Um, in the coming year, 2017, I'll be launching I Am Adopted TV, which will be a series of um, adoptees telling their stories and me doing like a Dear I Am Adopted um, where adoptive parents, uh, adoptees, birth mothers could write in questions and I'll answer them online because what happens is I'm inundated with so many questions every day that I can't respond to everybody and some of them end up being uh, the same questions. So if I can just get them all out in one platform, it would help everybody um, greatly. Um, also, in the summer of 2017, I'll be back in the U.S. and I'll be um, hosting little coffee shop meetings, you know, to get to know other adoptive parents and birth parents and adoptees. Because like I said, we all need each other to make adoption land a better place um, for all of us to live in. Um, And also doing some online workshops, working with adoptive parents. Um, I've got a great group of adoptive parents um, on my Facebook page um, that are really there to listen and to learn. And I just believe if they continue to, you know, invite other people, other, you know, um, people in their circles from adoptive parents um, into adoptive spaces, you know, it increases the likelihood that we can improve adoption or, and I'm sorry, adoption um, loss and trauma awareness as well. Um, That's basically it. I'm just so thankful um, for this year. I'm thankful um, to have the support that I have that so many of us are working together and not working against each other because all of us believe in something different because adoption is so unique and complex. Um, but we don't have to necessarily believe 
in uh, whether you're against adoption or for adoption, you know, don't let that drive um, you guys from not working together. You know, we've made great strides this summer, this month, and this year, and I just want to see that continue to progress because um, we have to keep stay focused on the bigger picture, and that's that it's not just about us. Um, I know it's easy to want to just be about us when we're, you know, in our pain, um, but there's so much purpose in healing when we're able to help other people, whether it's our fellow adoptees or to make adoption land a better place. Right, right. I totally agree. I mean, I think if we can, you know, reach out, we get everyone to reach out and, you know, we, you know, connect, that's that's what does it, you know. I mean, that's really yeah. us all together. You know, we, we can't do this without each other, that's for sure. Um Mm-hmm. Thanks for giving us all that, you know, wonderful information. Maybe we can do another show, you know, we can talk about maybe some get some main questions and really, you know, answer some things on another podcast. Uh now that we've got <laughs> our time uh figured out and all that, we can we can do this again and and really maybe, you know, answer some specific questions people can go back and listen to it. Um also everybody, I know you know, if you're listening, um, we're, we've got our website up. Everything's running. We've got everything changed around. It's indianaadoptinetwork.org. And um, we're also doing a conference in April of 2017, the 21st and 22nd in Bloomington, Indiana. And uh, there's limited hotel rooms. So we're going to try and do another hotel. So we'll have enough rooms for everybody, uh, lots of Amazing keynote speakers, uh, Leslie Pate McKinnon, Rhonda Churchill, Patty Hahn, Brian Stanton. That's just a, the tip of the iceberg. And we've got some great workshops, DNA, um, getting to know yourself a little better. So we hope you guys will join us. And um, if you want, again, go to indianaadoptionetwork.org. You can follow us on Twitter, which is INADNET2018. You can follow us on there. And you can also email us, too. You can go to the website and click on any of us on the board, and you can email us if you've got any questions. You can become a member, um, come to the conference. We hope that you will reach out to us if you have, you know, any needs, um, especially if you're an Indiana adoptee. We can help you do um, some searching. But this is meant for adoptees all over, not just Indiana adoptees. So we hope you'll join us. And, um, again, I want to thank you for being on tonight, and uh, I appreciate everything. And I know everybody out there will hopefully reach out to you, and if they've got any questions, they can send them to you. So um, thanks again for being on tonight. And, as always, everybody, blue skies and green lights until next time. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much. Thanks. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.